favorite passages, one of my favorite verses, and um, want to teach to you. I don't know if we'll be preachy today as much as we'll be teachy. I want to try to guide you through some things today. And in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, in the, uh, the New Living, actually, if we can throw that up there, you, make, you can make many plans. That's what the verse says in New Living. You can make many plans, but the Lord's what? The Lord's purpose will prevail. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. I think we've got this up there in the, the Amplified. The Amplified reads this way. Many are the plans in a man's mind. Anybody been making plans? Anybody got an idea, got an agenda? Uh, you know, maybe you've got an idea of how things will turn out or what's going to happen. But many are the plans in a man's mind, but it is the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. Amen. Last one I want to show you real quick in the message. And the message reads this way. We humans keep brainstorming options and plans. Right? We keep brainstorming options and plans. But God's purpose prevails. Today I want to uh, minister to you from the subject of the preference of purpose. The preference of purpose. I believe this verse shows us two things. It shows us that man has a preference and that God has a purpose. Man has a preference and God has a purpose. And this verse shows us that these two ideas, the preference and the purpose, many times are opposing agendas. Uh, they don't necessarily align all the time. Can I get an amen? I know I'm not the only one that comes up with the plan that uh, can sometimes alter God's purpose or God's purpose many times alters my plan. Uh, for the lack of a better term, uh, he trumps my plan. And uh, he, he can trump at any time what I have, the agenda I put forth, whatever I think the outcome should be, whatever I think I should uh, be doing in any instance, how I think things are going to turn out. Um, we see that there are options, there are plans, uh, there are ideas, um, another word could be agendas that we have, that God is trying to show us, I've got a purpose. I've got a purpose that might be different than your plan. And we can look at a man named Jesus. I think you're all pretty much familiar with him. So go over to, to John, John chapter 5. And um, I just want to show you Real quickly today, the life of Jesus and how he, you know, I think a lot of times we, we put Jesus in the light of, you know, he's the son of God. Uh, he was God in the flesh on the earth. He's the word that became flesh. And so sometimes, you know, we, 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 without, you know, probably subconsciously we put this light on Jesus that he was just a robot sent by God uh, to take care of God's purpose uh, but that he really didn't ever have his own agenda. That he just lived his life automatically doing what the Father wanted him to do. But this verse here in John chapter 5, verse 30, actually shows us otherwise. He says, I can of myself do nothing. Even Jesus, by himself, outside of God's purpose, outside of God's plan, could accomplish nothing. Isn't that interesting? Even Jesus, the son of the living God, he says, I can of myself 
Jesus had a teamwork mentality. You know, God takes many and makes one. Got Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. But what does he do? We're all one. He creates man, and then he creates woman, and he says, Nuh-uh, no longer will you be two, you'll become one flesh. And then he took all the nations of the earth, and he said, in Abraham, I'm going to make one nation, as we learned last week. God is interested in bringing many into one. The enemy is interested in taking one and dividing it into many. The devil wants to take two and make, or take one and make two. God wants to take two and make one. He says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. Because I what? Do not seek. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Right there, he shows us two agendas. Right there, he identifies, I have my own will. I have my own agenda sometimes. I could easily come down here and try to do things my way and the way that I think it should be done and the way that... I want it to be, what is preference to me, what makes me feel good. There were times uh, that we know of that Jesus didn't feel like ministering. I know it might be weird to hear some of those things, but Jesus was flesh just like you and I. He was man just like, he didn't always just get up in the morning with a burst of energy saying, who can I heal today? Who, what demons can I cast out today? What water uh, can I walk on today? What storm can I stop? No, there was a time in John chapter 4 when he went into a city of Samaria, Samaria where he doesn't even belong as a Jewish man. Comes across a woman, and he's not looking for a ministry opportunity. He's sitting at a well saying, I'm thirsty. Disciples, go into town and get me some food. I'm hungry. A woman comes, and he says, draw me some water, please. Who are you? Ask me. Well, if you only knew who was asking you. And then we get into the conversation because Jesus was always open to ministry. Why? Because he sought the... He says, I do not seek my own will, my own will, my own will. That's identifying he had his own will. And a lot of times it didn't align with the father's will. You go over one chapter in John chapter six and verse 38. He says, for I have come down from heaven. That's a long way to come to do your own thing. He says, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will. But the will of him who sent me. He knew where he came from and he knew who sent him. He knew where he came from and he knew who sent him. And this is what determined the course of his life. This is what determined the course of action in his life. I've got a very simple message today. All of us in this room either have preference or we have purpose. And it is up to you to decide whether you follow God's purpose uh, God's purpose, or you follow your preference. And what I would like for us to grasp today, get a hold of today, is that you need to make his purpose your preference. We need to make God's purpose our preference. 
That's what needs, we need an alignment of wills. We need an alignment of values. We need an alignment of agendas in our world today. We, we, we're so misaligned. I mean, we are living in a generation today. We're living in a culture today, living in a world today that is led more by preference and convenience and comfortability than ever before. Last week, we saw a man named Abraham over in Genesis chapter 12, and God speaks to him, and God says, get up out of your own country, leave your own house, leave your own family, and go to a place that I will send you. I wonder how many people God is trying to do that with today. And I don't mean physical homes and physical families and physical country. I mean, getting out of convenience and getting out of familiarity and getting out of what's comfortable and following after his plan and just heading out and embarking on a journey that God has for us and not even knowing the end result, not even knowing where I might be headed like Abraham, but I'm going to take a step until you tell me I get there. Amen. And so Jesus was a man that could have had a competing agenda with his father. He was a man that came here in the flesh, and he could have easily altered that. Our decisions daily determine the course of our life. Our decisions daily determine the course of our life. And, you know, a lot of us aren't taking, uh, you know, aren't going on a path and then taking a, a right angle, 90 degree turn away off the path. A lot of us are just slowly drifting, slowly drifting. And the longer we take to correct, the longer it takes to get back. And Jesus guarded, guarded this agenda, guarded this course in his life, guarded his purpose at all costs. He eliminated all preference in his life. He eliminated what was convenient and what felt good. He, he eliminated what uh, was self-serving. He said, I didn't come here to be served. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. He said, I didn't come down here from heaven to be served, but to serve. I will put myself in awkward situations. I will put myself in moments that, that are hard and, and beat against my flesh so that I can achieve the purpose of God. I've discovered this in my own life and just through reading God's word that it is uh, near impossible to accomplish God's will and your will at the same time. Anybody with me on that? You tried it your way. You tried your course of action. You went down your path. You went to the school you thought was going to work out. You went uh, and took that job that you thought was going to bring in more money. You, you went around that friend group, uh, you know, that people group, that social group that you thought was going to, you know, it, it was more self-serving than anything. You got into it for what could, you could get out of it rather than what you could put into it. And so Jesus is showing us here that there must be, number one, an alignment of agendas. And then once we align our agendas, we have to guard that at all costs. In Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, he's having a conversation with his disciples about the very purpose of God. About his assignment in the course of life, the, the course 
that God has him on. And in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 16, he says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. What's he talking about? He's talking about God's purpose, not his preference. He's talking about, this is what my father sent me to do. This is the assignment that my life is on. This is what I'm here to accomplish. This is what I'm here to obtain for the kingdom of God, not for my own personal agenda. I'm not here to make my name great. I'm here to make his name great. But, but in verse 22, Peter speaks up, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. There always seems to be someone in our life that will speak to our preference rather than God's purpose. You don't have to hunt them down. You don't have to go searching them. They're, they're right there by your side. Hey, buddy, don't go. Stay with me. That's what Peter's doing. It says Peter rebuked him. Go back to verse 22. It says Peter rebuked him. Began to rebuke. Who is Peter in this scenario? But what do we have? What has just shown up? Competing agendas. Competing agendas. Now, we could easily just sit here and think Jesus is just hard bent on the purpose of God. He's not even considering another option. He's not even thinking about backing out of this thing. When we can say, I mean, Jesus, son of God, man, I mean, he, he knew, I, I, I mean, look, we can't, there's no way we can understand the torture, the beating, the, the stuff that Jesus endured, the suffering that he endured in those three days before he went to the cross. There's no way we can even comprehend that. And not only that, but Jesus knows what's coming. I mean, it's one thing to come up on a trial and, and maybe you have an idea a trial is coming or maybe the trial just comes up on you and you're in it and it's like, well, this is it. But it's another thing to know exactly the suffering that's about to take place and you still stay the course. And that's what Jesus is doing here with this conversation with Peter. But, but he guards that purpose rather than siding with the preference. Because we see later on in Matthew chapter uh, 26, I believe it is, that he wrestles. Jesus went to the cross way before he went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross in Matthew chapter 26 in the garden, praying to his father, sweating drops of blood. In the greatest battle of his life, his battle wasn't with the devil. He defeated him. He whipped him back in Matthew chapter 4. That was easy, as it is written. As, let it be written. As it is written. It is written. That was easy. Casting out demons, nothing. There's no struggle there. He's not wrestling with demons. Sickness and disease, no problem. Got that. Water into wine, I'll take care of it. Call him a storm that's about to rip our boat apart and kill us all. Sit back, boys. Watch what I'm about to do. Death? Lazarus being dead four days? Come forth. 
We don't see a struggle. We don't see him on his hands and knees and just crying out to God, you know, please raise my friend. Please bring him back. God, if it would be your will, it, no issue, no problem. Even death after four days wasn't an issue for Jesus. But the one that's got him on his knees crying out to his father, the battle that has broken him down to almost there's nothing left of him is preference over purpose. The greatest struggle and the greatest battle you will ever fight in your life isn't the devil. Isn't his attack on your finances. It's not your attack, his attack against, you know, people coming against you. It's not struggling to find a job or, or, you know, to get favor in your current job and to get that promotion you've been believing. That's not the struggle of your life. The struggle of your life is to choose his purpose over your preference. That's the battle. That's the battle we all face. Even Jesus himself faced this battle. And nobody could deliver it, deliver him from it except himself. Not even his father could come down and save him from it. Because his purpose will prevail. Many are the plans in a man's heart. So you jump back to Matthew 16 after you, you, you see the, the, the sweat turn to blood and you see the battle take place in Matthew 26, Matthew 16. You just wonder what kind of thoughts are going through Jesus' mind when Peter's saying, Far be it from you. This conversation takes place about six months before Jesus goes to the cross. He's not really a well-liked guy at this point. You think about Jesus. You know, everybody loves Jesus, just walking around carrying sheep everywhere and loving on kids and, and you know, doing all the nice things that Jesus did. But at this point, Jesus has already said some, already had some communication like, you know, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can't be a part of me. And people are like, bro, you have lost it. You are insane. He's already made statements like resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. You would think after John chapter 11 with Lazarus, you know, coming back to life that people would just be super excited about. We got to keep this guy around. But if you read right after Lazarus comes back uh, uh, from the dead. The, the Pharisees and Sadducees get together, the Sanhedrin gets together, and we say, we got to get rid of this guy. This guy is nuts. This guy is going to destroy our nation. So he's not, you know, he's not like on a super, in fact, in the, the conversation just before this he had with Peter, Peter speaks out and says, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. He says, you know, Peter, you didn't figure this out on your own. My father showed this to you. And then at the very end, it says, now make sure you don't tell anybody that I'm Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're coming to get me. They're not as excited to find out that I'm Jesus Christ as you are. And it's not my time yet. He's hiding out in Bethany. He's not even going into Jerusalem until it's time to go into Jerusalem. And then when it was time to go to Jerusalem, which he's about to say it's time for us to go to Jerusalem, his disciples are like, whoa, are you sure? Because you will not be leaving Jerusalem the way that you went in. They knew what was coming. They knew what people were saying about their leader, about Jesus. See, this is where, this is where your preference seems to come, become heightened, is in the midst of opposition. It's easy to follow God's purpose when there's nothing coming against it. 
Everybody's agreeing with you. Everybody's gung-ho with you. But then all of a sudden, God's purpose leads you down a path that other people can't go. (laughs) And your preference wants to stay. Your preference wants to stay. But Jesus looked at him in verse 23, Matthew 16, verse 23. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me. Satan. That's tough to hear. But literally the word Satan means adversary. It means opposition. It means you're in the way. Guys, when we don't have clarity between preference and purpose, we won't recognize opposition. You will think this is what you got to understand, guys. Let me, let me help you see this real quick. Peter is Jesus' friend. One of his closest friends. I mean, out of the 12, the closest was Peter, James, and John. He took them everywhere with him. They saw things the other uh, nine didn't see. And this isn't just some guy off the street saying, no, man, don't go. This is the closest confident Jesus had. And he's saying, don't. Go. But yet Jesus says, no, you are in their way. But then there's another disciple named Judas. Judas betrays Jesus. But the question I have for you today is which one really helped Jesus achieve his purpose? Peter or Judas? This is why the clarity between preference and purpose is so necessary because what you call a friend may be holding you back and what you call an enemy may be actually launching you into the very thing God's trying to send you into. The recognition in our life and the things that happen in our life, what you thought was opposition was actually the launching pad and what you thought was favor from God could actually be the very thing keeping you from the purpose of God. It's clarity that we need in these last days. It's, it's, it's the, the big picture. It's our eyes opening. It's seeing God's purpose over our preference. Because there are too many things in our lives that are feeding our preference rather than God's purpose. We have a choice to make just as Jesus did. If we want to jump over to Matthew 26, let's look at this. Matthew chapter 26. I mentioned it, but let's go ahead and take a look at this passage. In verse 36, and Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go pray over there. Sit here while I go pray over there. And he took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He's instructed his disciples. He's instructed his closest ones. Jesus is, Judas has already left to get the soldiers and hand Jesus over to him. He's already taken off at this point. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, all of us in life have to have a nevertheless. 
you can have a preference and there can be a, a will of yours and there can be a, a desire on the inside, but you have to come to the conclusion, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Those that were supposed to be helping him launch into his purpose, he finds them sleeping. I mean, you can just imagine, he, he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death, stay here and watch with me. And they're like, okay. Like, did what I just said not bear any weight with you? And guys, this will happen. Your purpose is not somebody else's burden. So many times we get discouraged from our purpose because nobody else is walking it with us. It's your purpose, not theirs. And your purpose, God is not obligated to make your purpose happen as long as other people stay with you. That's not part of the criteria. It's not part of the, the qualification. God will achieve his purpose if you're the left one, if you're the last one left standing. God will achieve his purpose. He says, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples, verse 40, and found them sleeping. And said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. He came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Three times he went to the father. Three times he went to the father to, with this struggle of preference, preference versus purpose. And thank God that he chose purpose over preference. Thank God that he stayed with what God wanted to do rather than what he wanted to do. And this is the struggle. This is the battle that we all face. He says, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer. Is at hand. And even though he had his disciples, the ones that had stayed with him and walked with him, had, had traveled with him, had been right there with him, they were right there ready to support him in one sense. Here comes Judas, the betrayer, ready to hand him over. And he's recognizing, Jesus is recognizing which one of them is going to help him achieve his purpose and which one of them is simply siding with his preference. Guys, I want us to be a people in these last days. I want us to be a people in this nation, regardless of what happens, regardless of what goes on around us. We are choosing to stay with God's purpose and not our preference. Paul said it this way. He said, I crucify the flesh. Why? Because he recognized my flesh will never want to do what God wants. So I'll just shut it down altogether. He said, I discipline my body. I beat it into subjection. What's he saying? You have to discipline something because the natural tendency is not to continue that route. 
It's not the natural tendency. The natural tendency in our lives isn't just to automatically align with God's purpose, automatically stay in the race, automatically contend for the faith, as we talked about last week. That's not the automatic reaction. That's not the default in our lives. The default tendency is to drift away, to pull away towards our preference. Paul said these words. He said, I die daily. How often do we have to shut down our preference for God's purpose? Every day. Every day. It ought, dying to the flesh should be just as natural for us as living to the Spirit. Dying to the flesh should be just as natural for the believer as living to the Spirit. As much as we talk about being alive in the Spirit and and living for God, we should just as much be talking about dying and letting go of the things that our flesh wants to hold on to. I know many times in my life when I thought I should have gone is when I should have stayed, and when I should have stayed is when I should have gone. Worship team, if you come up, this is the struggle that we, we, we have in our lives. This is, this is where we live. This is what we endure. This is the battle that is going on. How can you know? I, I have trouble talking to people about knowing God's will that have no interest in knowing God. That would be like me trying to know my wife's will without ever getting to know her. I know what she likes. In fact, she was just playing this silly game with me yesterday. I guess it's a Facebook thing, just asking all these weird questions. Ask your husband or whatever. And we're trying to answer all these questions. And there's no, you know, right or wrong answer. But, you know, what's her favorite food? What does she like? What does she not like? What's her favorite movie? What's her favorite kind of movie? You know why I could get those right? It's not because we had a, 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 a quiz or, you know, a review session. Say, all right, here's the answers. It's because I know her. I know her will because I know her. See, people want to know something rather than someone. How can I know God's purpose? How can I get the clarity between my preference, what I want? How do I know when what I want isn't what he wants? And how do I know when what I want is what he wants? Get to know him. Paul said to know him in the power of his resurrection. Get to know him. This is what is lacking in the church today. This is what is lacking in our lives today. We don't know him. Oh, what a savior. We just say. We know more about what God has done for us rather than what he wants us to do for him. And what he did for you is to propel you into what you can do for him. I had one individual tell me one time, I'm not saved to sin. He didn't save me. He didn't pay this price. He didn't put down the flesh and take up his cross figuratively and literally so that I could sit around. I don't know won't be an applicable answer when we get to Jesus one day. I didn't know. You've got to be a people that want to know. That want to 
to know him first and then learn that discovering his purpose for my life, discovering the destiny I have, discovering who I am as a child of God, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, as royalty in the kingdom of God, discovering that is a result, is a byproduct of first knowing him. I want to know him. I want to know him. Father, we want to know you today. Our heart's cry is to know you. We're in the struggle of preference over purpose. We're in the struggle of of what we like and what we don't like rather than what we want from you and what you want for us. Father, I pray as a church today, the church this morning, that we are ready, preparing ourselves from the inside out to go after your purpose rather than our preference. To quit shooting things down that you want for our lives because we don't like it or it's it's too early in the morning or that'll keep me out too late or I'm really an introvert. I can't talk to that many people. And the preferences, uh, we, we, we could write them down for days. The music's too loud, the music's too soft, the music's too old, the music's too new. It's too big, it's too small. We always look to convenience and comfortability and preference, but God shift us today so we can see your purpose behind it. So we can see your purpose behind it. So we can achieve your glory. So we can achieve your purpose. We can be everything you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.